Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. Today, uh, I want to introduce to you somebody that really doesn't need an introduction. Uh, Her name's Mary Lynn but you probably know her by Kiki, and uh, we she's been our youth pastor for 10 years now. She um, helps in about every area. Probably she's as involved in the ministry of the church as anybody is, and um, she's got a great heart for God. She's one of the favorite uh, preachers I like to listen to, and uh, today, as uh, I'm, I'm uh, the senior pastor, but today I sit under the authority of God's Word, and so that's true for all of us. We want to Welcome her to come and to share the word of God. All right. All right. Well, hello, everybody. Let me get situated here. I got a donut right here. Does anybody here like donuts? It's like half of you guys like donuts. Raise your hand if you don't like donuts. Oh, wow. Okay, so I do have a confession. I really don't care for donuts. If I never had a donut for the rest of my life, I would be A-OK. But I know a lot of people like donuts, so I have a donut here today. And I just (laughs) want to know if any of you guys (laughs) would appreciate it if I gave you this donut. Raise your hand if you'd appreciate it if I gave you this donut. Somebody hungry? Um, It's not maple. It's just regular glaze you don't (laughs) now I know what Evelyn wants okay well somebody else wants the donut but I'm going to take a bite of this donut I know I'm not supposed to eat in church now I want to know does anybody want a donut that I already bit off of oh because you love me but Typically, you wouldn't want a donut that had something taken out of it, would you? No. Let me, now I need a drink. I know, I'm not supposed to do all kinds of things, and I'm breaking the rules. <laughs> all right. Um, see, now I'm already lost at where I'm at. Donuts. If you don't like donuts, imagine that it's your favorite snack for those of you guys. I would rather have a croissant. I like savory things or like a bag of chips. I can finish a whole bag of chips um, over a donut. But I'm going to leave this here. Don't let it distract you. I'm going to give you a donut later, and it's not going to be a donut that has a bite taken out of it. But today we're going to talk about generosity. And so I thought, well, in the name of generosity, I'm going to go buy donuts. But I went to the D- I wanted to go to Dino's Donuts. Anybody like that place? They're closed on Sundays. Hopefully they're closed because they're going to church. Um, So I had to go to Fred Meyer, and I basically wiped out all the donuts, which wasn't very many, and there's more of you here than there are donuts. So whoever gets the donuts first at the end of service, you win. And there's also a donut here for you, Rhoda, that has a bite taken out of it since you don't care about my germs. So generosity. All right. Don't let this distract you, because I do believe 
that there's a good word for us this morning that will change our lives. Um, not because it's coming from me, but because it comes from the word of God. Um, on a side note, I just want to ask here, um, can we all agree that when God speaks, it should result in a changed life? Yes? I, there wasn't very many yeses. Yes, amen. It should result in a changed life. So if you're here today, you are a life that should be changing and growing every day into the likeness of Jesus. Nobody here has reached your goal. If you reached your goal into the likeness of Jesus, can you meet with me after church? Because I want to know how to get there. <laughs> I want to know what you did to reach the end goal. So I believe that if our goal is to be more like Jesus, it's something that we're going to be working on until the day that we meet him face to face. So generosity. Generosity is to be generous. So can I get maybe two or three people in here? We're going to be a little interactive. Can you tell me what it means to be generous? Give when you see a need. Give extra. Give with a grateful heart. Those are all great answers. Yes, to be generous is to be liberal in giving, meaning, yes, to give more than expected, to be unselfish. And I'm going to tell you that um, when I was preparing for this message, I've actually been reading and praying about it for quite a while and as I was finishing up my notes last night, I was like, man, Lord, I thought I was generous, <laughs> but I got some work to do. So God has already spoken to me. Um, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and she was laughing. She was like, haha, it's funny how God's speaking to you when you're supposed to be speaking to them. I said, well, that's how it goes when you preach a message, right, Pastor? You're, God speaks to you first. Um, if you've ever um, prepared a sermon, you know that it's we're not preparing a sermon for everybody else. We're preparing a, preparing a sermon for ourselves because God is speaking to all of us. So he already highlighted things, and um, I actually got distracted doing things to be more generous. And then I was like, okay, I'm really excited about this. I'm excited about generosity, which not too many people get excited about generosity, but I do believe that it is a lifestyle that God calls us to live as Christians. Um, I want to say before we move on that we can be generous with our time and our talents, and we ought to be generous with those things, but this morning I'm going to challenge us to be generous in a very specific area, and that is our money. Um, I know this is a sensitive topic, and um, Pastor Luke doesn't often talk about it from the pulpit because he doesn't ever want to be misunderstood um, about whether or not he's asking for money for himself. Um, but I get to do it this morning. So I want to read you a few statistics um, before we get into scripture. But I did a little bit of research yesterday, and according to nonprofit source online, tithers make up only 10 to 25 percent of a normal congregation. So that means like in this room right now, maybe 10 of you guys are tithers. Um, there was another statistic that says Christians are giving an average of 2.5% of their income to their churches. During the Great Depression, it was 3.3%. So we're declining in what we're giving. And 2.5%, can I just put that into perspective? If you had $100, that's $2.50. That's less than a coffee at Starbucks. And nowadays, you almost spend $2 on a candy bar. So 
Christians are only giving an average of 2.5% of their income. When surveyed, 17% of Americans state that they regularly tithe. That is not a very big number. And 7% of churchgoers have dropped their regular charitable giving by 20% or more. I was a little bit baffled by these statistics. And I thought to myself, why is this the case? And I think um, sometimes maybe we don't have the complete understanding of the call of generosity on our lives as Christians. So we're going to be in um, 2 Corinthians 8 this morning. I am going to jump around to a few different verses, but we're going to mainly focus here. And um, if you read your Bible or you have one, you'll see on there the heading actually says a call to generous giving. At least it does in the NLT. So let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you um, for the word that you've spoken to me first and then what you have for all of us as your people. I pray, God, that you would help me to communicate clearly um, and effectively what you would have for us this morning. Help me to not um, put my own words in here, but to communicate the heart of what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just going to, I'm going to read verses 1 through 15, a call to generous giving. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly, and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. So looking at this example of the Macedonian church, I think we as a 21st century church can learn a few things. I want to just point out um, some things about the Macedonian church. Paul praised them for their generous giving. They were going through difficulty. We read that here. Um, yet they were rich in generosity. I know that as a normal human being, our tendency when we're going through hard times is to what? Hold on to the things that we have because of fear of what we might not have later. 
Um, the Macedonians gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more, like what Miss Evelyn said, to give above and beyond. And they did it without being asked to do it. In fact, they begged to give. So did anybody come to church this morning prepared to beg to give? Probably not. Um, so we're going to, I have three points this morning that I want to communicate, and I'm going to use three different words. So the first word is worship. Giving is an act of worship. When we are generous with our money, we are honoring the one who provides it for us. The Macedonian church gave. They begged to give, and they did so out of their sincere love for Jesus. And they didn't have a lot, but what they did have was a deep desire to serve the Lord. And they gave because it was a part of them giving of themselves to serve Jesus. Um, I read a book called Your Money Counts by Howard Dayton. In fact, I have lots of resources on this topic, so if you have questions later, you can ask me. But um, Your Money Counts, he said this, If giving is merely to a church, a ministry, or to a needy person, it is only charity. But if it is to the Lord, it becomes an act of worship, because Jesus Christ is our creator, our savior, and our faithful provider. We can express our gratefulness and love by giving our gifts to him. So worship, giving is an act of worship. What better way to worship our God by being generous givers? He exampled generosity in the greatest way that we could ever experience through the sacrifice of his son so that you and I could live. And he gave generously without the promise of something in return. He knew that some of us might not respond. And we, as humans, have such a hard time giving without the expectation of, giving, of receiving something in return. And we ought to um, follow in the example of Jesus, where he gave of himself so that we can live. And so with that, I think that we can worship by giving without expectation of anything in return, simply because we are grateful and we love him and we want to worship him. Matthew 6.21 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Where are our heart's desires? I bet we can all take a look at our bank statements and credit card statements and get an idea of where our treasures are stored. Some of you guys might be like, no, I, I don't want to look at that. But truly, if we looked at our bank statements and our credit card statements, are we living lives of worship unto the Lord? Or do we worship things? Do we worship possessions? Do we have to have every new device or every new fad or new thing that comes out? Do we worship our bellies? Does our bank and credit card statement show that we're going out to eat all the time, where we buy food all the time when maybe we have excess? I know as Americans, we probably have pantries full of food, but we'd rather have the steak and the different things that maybe are just wants. It's okay to have steak, Pastor. I know you're a giver. <laughs> but do we worship self? Do we have to purchase every new trick of the trade to keep up with our appearances? We have to have the new lotions, you know, ladies, like the eye wrinkle cream and the face wash. Or I don't know, maybe guys do that too. You just don't tell us. Or the name brand clothes. I had a conversation with our youth group um, at youth conference last week, and they were talking about Gucci belts and how crazy expensive it was. Right, Henry? I don't know anything about Gucci belts. I just need a, 
a belt I can get a belt from Walmart but truly when we look at our bank statements where are our treasures where are we putting our money the list can go on does your statement show that you're a generous giver or does it show that you're a generous consumer a good indicator of the things that are most important to us the things that we hold in high honor is where we spend our time and our money and you might say but Kiki I may not give of my money, but I give of my time. Well, Jesus didn't ask for just some of you. He asked for all of you. A couple more verses later in Matthew 6, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. If you have not given Jesus' lordship over your finances, I'm going to say today that you cannot say that he's Lord over your life because your finances are your life. And that's a hard pill for us to swallow. And I'm telling you, again, the Lord was preaching to me. I went through my bank statement. I said, Kiki, you've been slacking here. You're storing up some treasures in places you shouldn't be. So have we given Jesus lordship over our finances? That leads me into my next word, and that's ownership. When we begin to understand that Jesus is Lord of my life, that means that he is Lord of every single area, my time, my talents, and my money. When we begin to understand that, we begin to recognize that what we have is actually not ours, but his for us to steward. Luke 14, 25 through 35 lays out the cost of being a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. So if you have given your life to Jesus, you are a follower of Jesus. In verse 26, in Luke 14, it says, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you jump down to verse 33, it says, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. As Americans, we pride ourselves in the things that we own, and that includes what's in our bank accounts, and that is something that the Lord has asked us to give up. You guys, I didn't write this. Like, I read it from the book that we have (laughs) built our life upon, um, the very foundation that we live our lives upon, or at least we should, okay? So you must give up everything you own, if you want to be a follower of Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you claim you're a Christian, this message applies to you. And if you're here this morning and maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian, you're just here to see what it's all about, this doesn't apply to you. Okay, so be relieved. I'm not asking you to give money if you're not a Christian and Jesus isn't your Lord. Um, I don't expect you to be a generous giver and neither does Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus, he does expect you to be a generous giver. So... I had a, um, a conversation with a close family member once about um, the amount of money that I give away. So she was this person. Um, the conversation was centered around how much this person could and would do if this person made the same amount of money that I made. And my response to her was, um, in this conversation, I told her the amount that I give to my church. And this person gasped, why? Why? Are you serious? Um, You give that much money? 
And I, I don't say this because I want you guys to be like, oh, Kiki, you're so awesome, because there's areas that I'm definitely not doing what I should be doing, and I need the Lord to help me in. But I always, I told her, this person, I always give my first 10%. And then I often give above and beyond. And I do this because the Bible tells me to. So, again, as I was studying, I thought, okay, yeah, the Bible tells me to do this. But as I was studying my response, I realized my response should have been different um, in this conversation. Because this person who had this conversation with me doesn't serve Jesus. And so, in a this person's mind, it was just ridiculous that I would ever give that amount of money to the church. What I should have done is not just say, oh, the Bible tells me so. I should have used it as an opportunity to share my love and devotion to Jesus because of who he is in my life. I should have said to this person that because of his great love and his generosity towards me, what is mine is his. And when I allow Jesus to be Lord over my finances, I never have to worry. I should have used that opportunity as a testimony. Instead, I gave a quick, short answer. But I want to encourage us as generous Christians that our generosity could lead somebody to Jesus. People will ask you, why? Why do you, why do you live this way? And that's the very perfect opportunity for you to share who Jesus is to you and potentially lead somebody to Jesus. So, like I said, the Lord has already been speaking to me. Even a generous giver still needs God to transform their hearts and minds. And even a generous giver can be even more generous. What? God's going to keep asking for more? Well, he asked you for the whole thing, for all of it. So, um, just for a few minutes, since we're talking about money, I um, am going to just talk about the tithe really quick, because if you didn't know, um, I'm not only the youth pastor here, but I also do the finances for our church. Don't worry, I don't, I haven't memorized who gives and who doesn't, or how much you give and how much you don't give. I don't have any of that memorized because I don't have time for that. And our pastors don't know who gives and who doesn't give. So this message is not to tell you to give. Um, It's not because we're in financial distress, um, because for as long as I've taken care of the church finances, I have seen the faithfulness and provision of God. This message is about generosity and what that means for our pocketbooks. But because I've been able to see the faithfulness and generosity of God um, in the way that I've managed the church finances, I think that's helped cause me to be a generous giver. But anyway, a lot of people ask me, Kiki, what's the difference between a tithe and an offering? So we're just going to do a quick little lesson here. A tithe literally means a tenth part, okay? So it's where we get 10%. Um, We read about the tithe mostly in the the Old Testament. Uh, In fact, Malachi 3, 8, and 9 says, um, when the Israelites failed to give their tithes and offerings, it was regarded as robbery, okay? It says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Um, So we see it a lot in the Old Testament, and so a lot of people are like, oh, well, Jesus doesn't talk about it a lot in the New Testament. Well, um, I did some studying, and it might not have been talked about a lot, but Jesus does mention the tithe, so clearly people still tithed in the New Testament. Um, And, but what is mentioned very clearly 
in Jesus' teachings is the concept of sacrificial giving and generosity. Okay, so this is just a little side lesson on tithes and offerings. I'm not telling you exactly what dollar amount to give. We want to we focus more on sacrificial giving and generosity. So we don't read about it as a command in the New Testament. Jesus never said, give me your 10%. Because Jesus said, give me all of you. So he didn't have to say, give me your 10%. All he had to do is say, if you want to be my follower, give up everything that you own and follow me. So for me personally, I know that God calls me to give, and the general consensus among churches is 10%. And in the Old Testament, the 10% was given for the purposes of God. And it wasn't just any 10%. It was the first 10%. Okay, the priests, the Levites, who were considered maybe like the poorest um, because they didn't really have jobs. They were out doing the things of the Lord. <laughs> Do you have a job? <laughs> um, okay, where I'm at. The priests, the Levites, and the use of the temple. So it seems to me that if I were just to use logic, that the needs haven't changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Right? And to today, we still have priests, pastors, Levites, people like the poor people or people who missionaries um, who go and um, rely on the giving of our tithes and offerings. And we also have a church, right? So we ought to still be giving back to God our 10% because finances are still required to do the work of the Lord. So what happens with my tithe? Similar, again, to the Old Testament, your tithe goes to help support those doing the work of the Lord. In our context, it is our pastors, okay? There isn't some magic bank account that falls from the sky that sends hundreds to um, pay for our pastors. That comes from your tithes, okay? So every time I get behind this pulpit or I go to study for my youth group sermons, I'm reminded about the great amount of work that Pastor Luke puts into feeding us the word of God. So if Pastor Luke has to go and get a second job because we failed to bring our tithe to the church, what a shame that would be because it takes hours and hours of studying. I'm telling you, the Lord put this message on my heart a month ago, and I got a job. I have another full-time job. So to find the time to study was very difficult, and Pastor preaches messages that are way better than mine, and <laughs> he studies all the time, and he does it multiple times a week. So Pastor Luke doesn't, should not have to go get another job. We are receiving the best of the best, okay? And if you don't agree with that, I don't know what to do. But we are receiving the best of the best. And so here's the thing. We, pre we pay for streaming services, right? Some people, multiple streaming services so that you can watch your favorite TV shows. Anybody here? You don't have to raise your hand if you do that. But, um, and most of the time we're just getting fed junk. I'm not saying don't watch TV, but we're we don't bat an eye at paying for Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, all the things, every single streaming service that's out there. Um, we don't hesitate. We don't hesitate for the best things. Like, oh, I instead of a sirloin, I'm going to get a fillet. No, if we want a fillet, we get a fillet, right? Most of the time. But um, we don't hesitate to go and to the spa and get what we want. But we hesitate when we give to the church. 
That is not how it should be, okay? Our tithes pay our pastors. The second thing that our tithe does, um, it helps give to the poor. So we do, Maranatha does give to those in need, okay? Um, Did you guys know that the church is responsible to help the poor? It is our responsibility. And I um, would say that we're probably not doing a great job. I'm not saying Maranatha, but like the church as a whole is probably not doing the greatest job at it. And it starts with individuals. And if individuals stop giving, then the church as a whole can't continue to give to the poor. So countless verses talk about helping the poor and giving to those in need. I wonder what it would look like, what our world would look like, if we, including myself, would take on more responsibility to help those in need. So Maranatha does have a benevolent fund that we use to help people in need or when our communities Um, are in need. We also give to missionaries. So um, at Maranatha, we tithe on our tithe. So every tithe that comes in, we actually give, um, this year is 20% of all of our tithes to our missionaries. So if you have any questions about those details, I can tell you that later. But we do give 20% of our overall tithes to missionaries. Because missionaries, like the Levites, have given up their whole life so that they can go and bring the gospel to people that we've never even dreamed of going to. Or maybe we can't go to. But when we give, we get to be a part of bringing the gospel to nations that you may never step foot on. How awesome is that? Like, Maranatha has changed lives in India, in the Philippines, in Peru, in Africa, I mean, there's so many more places, but we get the opportunity with our tithe to give and be a part of what God is doing in the world, and that is amazing. And lastly, our tithe is used for the upkeep of this church building. How many of you guys are thankful that you have a house of worship to come to every week? I am, yes. Lights, heat, water, the upkeep of this house costs money. Programs for kids, for youth group, for all the different ministries, that costs money. There's nothing free, and you guys all know that. I often hear this, well, I don't need to go to a church building to get Jesus. Okay, that's true. The Lord is everywhere. But I, um, I do believe that the church building is a very important place. We have set aside um, places all around our city to experience different things from movie theaters, gyms, um, arenas, spas. We have these places to experience one certain type of activity, yet we forget that the church is the greatest place that we could ever go to experience the, the presence of God and to have an encounter with Holy Spirit. And sometimes we forget and neglect the upkeep of our church. I also hear things like, oh, it's just a building. You're right. It's just a building. But in this building, we have ushered in the presence of God. In this building, people have been healed. In this building, people have come to know Jesus. In this building, people have been discipled. In this building, people have been sent out to disciple other people. There's a lot of things that happen in just this building. So when we start to think about like, oh, well, you're putting way too much money in in this building and we need to be putting money elsewhere. Well, I don't know if you haven't looked around your neighborhood lately, but you could probably walk down your street and find people in Anchorage who don't have a house of worship that they've gone to. 
to experience the presence of God. And this is a place that we can invest in and we can bring people to this building. For me, this building is a place where I personally found refuge in times of trouble, where I experienced the love of Jesus that changed my life for eternity, where I was and still am discipled, and where I get to disciple others. It's not just a building. It's a place where people can and will find Jesus, and it needs to be taken care of. So that's the tithe. It goes to all those three things and more. But an offering. Now an offering is anything above and beyond your 10%. So your tithe should first go to your local church. This is my opinion, okay? The Bible doesn't literally say that, but I do think that we should take care of our local church. And then anything above that can go to other things like missionaries or even in our church um, last summer we took our highest amount of kids to kids camp like 20 plus kids and the reality was was about half of those kids couldn't afford to go to kids camp but I can tell you that they encountered Jesus in a mighty way that they are still talking about today and they're still excited to go to summer camp next summer and you know what there's some people in this church who gave an offering above their tithe to pay for kids to go to kids camp, to pay for youth kids to go to youth camp so that those kids, the next generation that's coming behind us, has the opportunity to be discipled and to disciple others. So that is an offering. It's something that we give above and beyond um, the tithe. It's the far more, like the Macedonians gave far more. That's what an offering is. Again, this message is not a message to collect a larger offering or to condemn anyone in their giving. The hope of this message is to create a heart of generosity in all of us. The tithe and the offering is a guideline that helps us stay on track. For some of us, um, if we've never been generous with our money, it's okay to start with baby steps. I don't expect anybody, it would make me really sad if somebody came up t- and just gave everything and then went home and had nothing to eat or couldn't didn't have heat in their home. Like That's not the purpose of this. The purpose is to create a heart of generosity. When we begin to see our finances as God's, it becomes a lot easier to give it back to him. Maybe some of us today, we need to transfer ownership of some of the things that we're holding on to. A life that is not fully surrendered to Jesus is a life that is not surrendered at all. I've heard it say, said that partial obedience equals disobedience. So who owns your finances? If you're a Christian, God does. He owns everything that you have. Because the moment you surrendered your life to Jesus, you did what Luke 14 says, give up everything you own. So if we've established ownership, who owns my money, then we can move on to this third point, and that word is stewardship. Okay, I mentioned this word in the previous point. How are we stewarding our finances? Stewardship is the job of taking care of something entrusted to our care. Okay? So though God owns it all, um, he freely gives it to us to steward. And oftentimes, he blesses us with more than what we need. This room is probably filled with people in various places on the spectrum. Maybe there's more who are in more need than others. Maybe people are living in the overflow and they just get everything they want. Maybe that, if that's you, maybe God's calling you to help the person sitting in this room that has a need. So I understand that not everybody's 
in the same financial position. But the reality is, is whatever we have, it all belongs to God if we say that our life belongs to God. We have such a generous God that most of us here, in reality, do have more than what we need. And I do know that there's millions of people all over this world who don't even have the basic necessities of life. Um, And this is where we, as the American church, truly, gets to come in and use what God has given us to help provide for those needs. You know what the basic needs of life are is food, shelter, and clothing. It's not a house that's way too big for you. It's not a steak dinner. I mean, it could be top ramen for a whole week. Okay, it's Walmart clothes, not name brand clothes. Like food, shelter, and clothing is the basic necessity of life. So we all have that. And if we have more than that, then that's thank God for what he's blessing us with. So the parable of the three servants. Anybody remember this story in the Bible? Okay. Each man was entrusted with various amounts of money. Two invested it and they earned double. And one hid it in the ground, afraid he would lose it. And do you guys remember what the response was when the Lord found out? You wicked and lazy servant. Why didn't you do anything with it? He's talking to the man who buried the treasure. He took the money from the servant and gave it to one of the guys who did something with it. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So this isn't a lesson on investing uh, money in your retirement account, though I think that's wise. It's about stewarding well what God has given you. The servant who hid it so he wouldn't lose it is like a person who holds so tightly to their finances, afraid of being without, that they lose out in participating in the work of God in this world. God, I only have this much. I can't give it to you because what if I have nothing? Well, that's where faith comes in. Okay, God, this is what I do have. It's not much, but with it, can you help me to participate in the work that you're doing in this world? The servants who invested it are like those who give generously in the work of God. And that generosity, your generosity in the work of God, results in ministries expanding and ultimately lives saved. What a greater investment that we get the honor of partaking in. Jesus could have just said, oh, okay, I died for you, go about your lives, and I'll do the rest. No, he said, I love you so much that I died for you so that you can live. And not only do you get to live, you get to live with me, in partnership with me, doing the work of God. And all of that takes generosity. Just like the parable of the three servants, God gives us the choice to do what we want with what we have. 2 Corinthians 8.8 says, I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is. So when he was talking to the Corinthians about giving, he said, I'm not commanding you to. I'm testing your love. I read a commentary that said this, generosity cannot be elicited by command. Wow. Wow. Like, it doesn't, if I asked you or I commanded you to give $100 to the building fund or to the youth ministry, 
and you did it because I commanded you to and you had no choice, you giving it out of command and a begrudging heart doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Generosity comes from a heart of gratitude and love. Generosity isn't giving with a begrudging heart. Think about your kids or your spouse or somebody that um, you really love. You want to give everything to them, right? You want to make sure that they're taken care of, and you might even want to give them extra special things. Why? Because you love them. You give because of your great love. And so if we truly love our Lord, it should never be a problem for us to give back to him what is, like the previous point, already his. Stewardship also requires responsibility. Verse 11 says, give in proportion to what you have. Um, Like I said, I would be really sad if somebody was like, oh my gosh, I got to give all my money. And then you go home and your family suffers. Like that is not what I want to happen, okay? If you have to suffer because you have to give up your Gucci belt, Henry, or your (laughs) filet mignon, if you have to suffer, then I'm okay with that kind of suffering. Um, But I don't ask you... (laughs) to cause your family to suffer. Though there are times I do think that God allows us to suffer so that we can learn about his faithfulness. Okay, because when we begin to see the faithfulness of God, generosity is not an issue. Because, okay, Lord, this is all yours. I give it to you, and I don't have to worry a second about where my next meal is going to come from. I don't have to worry a second about anything because you are a faithful God. And you have proven yourself generous. Over the years, throughout history, God has proven himself generous. And he asks us, stewardship is partnership in what God's doing. So we get to steward what God has blessed us with. It requires responsibility. He doesn't want us to give irresponsibly. He wants us to give sacrificially and generously. So we get to choose how we steward our blessing. And if we get to choose the way we do that, I challenge us as the church to do it well and remember what God so generously gives us, he can take away. And that moment that he takes it away, what are we going to do if everything that we based our life upon was what was in our bank account? We don't know what's coming tomorrow. I mean, there are several people, even in our own church, that when COVID hit, they lost their jobs. We don't control that. But if we say, God, everything I have is yours, then we can rest in his faithfulness and in his generosity. So I am going to wrap it up. You guys are thankful for that. Um, Sometimes I, like, prepare, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm only going to be up here 10 minutes. But I think I've been under Pastor Luke too long. (laughs) It's okay. But wrap it up here. Okay. I'm just going to share quickly how generosity has affected my life. Every moment leading up to my salvation was a result of someone giving generously of their money, okay? Growing up um, in Barrow, there was a church van that would, like, drive around town and pick up all all the hood rat kids that were just riding their bikes, making trouble in the, in the town. They would pick us up, and we would attend kids' church, and um, somebody had to buy the van, and somebody had to pay for the fuel, right? When I first gave my heart to Jesus, um, somebody played for my, paid for my plane ticket to go to this youth camp that I first gave my heart to Jesus. 
When I decided to get serious about serving the Lord, countless people in this church, Pastor Luke and Janie, paid for fuel to get me to church. They paid for meals that allowed me to stay connected to the body, paid for youth events that helped disciple me. Um, And it wasn't just time that was given. It was people's actual money. And it was money that I never paid back because it was out of a heart of generosity that affected my life for Jesus. And because generosity changed my life, I choose to be generous. I realized in preparing for this message that I still have a ways to go. But years ago, I made a conscious decision that I would never consider anything that I have as mine. So my house, my car, I it's not mine. It's the Lord's. So um, I have to admit, I have somebody staying at my house. And um, I, I actually like my own space. And so a couple weeks ago, I thought, oh, how can I get this person to leave? <laughs> and the Lord reminded me, Kiki, you committed this house to me, and it's mine. And it's not doing anything to me except for just making me a little uncomfortable. Like I have more than I need. I have an extra room and an extra bed. Like that would just be empty if nobody was living there. But I was reminded that what is mine is not mine. It's the Lord's. And I remember when I bought the house, I called one of my mentors and I said, hey, I bought this house and um, it's a house for the Lord. It's not mine. And I want it to be a place of refuge. And this person that's living with me doesn't know Jesus. And so I've been consciously praying like, Lord, um, because they're here and partaking in what's yours, may they experience your generosity that would lead them to you. But I made that decision years ago. I would never consider anything that I have as mine. It all belonged to Jesus, my money and my possessions. And God led me down a path of financial freedom. I don't have debt. I have more than what I need, which allows me to give and provide for others when they need. And I I say this not to boast about me, but I say this to boast about what Jesus has done in my life and the ability that Jesus has to provide when you have an open fist of all of your resources to him. I found that when my bank account is open to Jesus, it is never empty. As I open it to pour out, it's open for him to pour in. And oftentimes, he pours it in in abundance. There are times where it's not in abundance. Okay, don't get me wrong. This is not a prosperity message. He provides. There's times where I, it's a little bit of a struggle, but never have I ever been without. I find that when I have people over for fellowship, um, like that leads to discipleship or relationships that build one another up, a coffee or a juice full on my carpet or a broken item isn't as big of a deal as it used to be because it's stuff and my possessions are things and these things that God has blessed me with. Though I do need to take care of the things that God's blessed me with, they're simply a tool for being who God has called me to be. And the moment that I let those things get in the way of people, it becomes an obstacle. So there is freedom. I share this because there's so much freedom when you can open your bank account. You can open your resources to what God has for you. You never have to walk around stressed out about where the thing is going to come from or how much that thing cost and somebody ruined. Well, somebody may have ruined that, but in that evening, 
they they um got closer to Jesus because of whatever was happening in in the living room. But I would have never gotten to this point had it not been for the generosity of others and more importantly the generosity of my Jesus. He gave his life so that I can live and I stand here living only because of him. So I want to challenge us this morning to be generous. Zach, I'm getting ready to close. If you find yourself already generous, maybe you're like, oh, I'm already generous. Be more generous. If you have found that you're, you haven't been generous at all, start today. What are we so tightly clinging to that is dividing our wholehearted allegiance to God? We cannot claim wholehearted devotion to Jesus when we have areas that we're still tight-fisting. We cannot say, Jesus, have the whole donut, but first let me take a bite out of it. Nobody wanted a, a donut that already got a piece taken out of it. Jesus wants the whole donut, guys, just like you want the whole donut. I know. I, I had to do something to get your attention. So if you remember donuts, remember that Jesus wants the whole thing, your whole life. Okay, he wants the whole donut. Your whole life, yes. What areas are we still clinging to? The call is to give up all to follow Christ, and that includes your finances. Again, I know that there's probably some in in this room that are going through true financial crisis. And I just want you to know that that's not Jesus' desire for you. He is our great provider, and he is faithful. Some of us in this room are afraid of what you'll lack if you give up your resources. Can I tell you again, I've already said it, I have never been without. And again, it is not me. I fully recognize that at any moment, the Lord can change my circumstances, and I can have nothing. There have been times where I didn't know how I was going to pay for something, but God always came through because he is faithful. So as we close, I don't want to focus on how much we've given. Nobody's tracking your giving, um, the amounts. I, I want us to focus today, today on the attitude of our generosity and the place that possessions have in our life. Do our possessions, do our finances bow to the feet of Jesus, or do we bow to the feet of our possessions. Jesus' command is not for you to give 10, 15, or 20%. His command is for you to take up your cross, die to yourself, and follow him. Counting the cost, are you willing to give up everything? You can do everything else right, but if you have areas in your life that you're not willing to give up to Jesus, you're only in partial obedience. Remember the story of the rich young ruler in Mark 10. He obeyed all of these commandments. He said, Lord, I obey all of these things. And Jesus said, but there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus then says a few verses later, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the sake of the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many house, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's, children and property along with persecution and in the world to come that person will have 
eternal life. You might not have billions of dollars in this lifetime. Jesus might ask you to give a thousand, and he might not give you a thousand dollars in return, but what he will give you is eternal life, which is far worth more than a thousand dollars. The treasures that you store up in heaven are worth far more than the treasures that you can store up today. So I ask you today, are you willing to give up all for Jesus? He's not asking you, rest assured, he's not, you're, you don't need to go and sell everything that you have right now. But he's asking you to cultivate a heart that is focused on him. A heart that with every possession, every dollar yielded to him and handled as a form of stewardship would increase the kingdom of God. And when we see increase in the kingdom of God, we see increase in our own life. Again, I have so many resources and so many other things that I want to share, but that's probably a lesson for another time. Um, If you don't know where to start or what to do um, with finances or giving, I would love to be a resource to you. But the bottom line is, um, before Pastor Luke comes up, is that I think that um, it's time for us to adopt a lifestyle of generosity. Let's be Christians who give, okay? If you want to respond here in a few moments, maybe ask God where to be generous. Maybe you're already generous in the money department. Maybe you haven't been generous with your time and your talents. Maybe there's something else that God asks of you to freely give. Um, what is that? And so that's, that's all I have, Pastor, if you want to come. Amen. Why don't we stand? We're in the home stretch here, and um, we don't talk a lot about finances here. For one thing, there's a lot of charlatans out there that they're making their whole ministry about trying to get at money. And uh, we're not about that. We're not interested in that. We're interested in the kingdom. And so uh, maybe we preach a message on giving once every 10 years or five years. And so now uh, I'm off the hook for a while because <laughs> you've done that. Thanks, Gigi, for doing that. Um, I wanted to talk uh, as we come to the altar here about a change of mind. This is what this is about, a change of mind, from mine to his. Our lives go from mine to his, our money from mine to his, our family from mine to his, my job from mine to his. You get the picture. It's all his. Then there's a change of action from it being a gift to an act of obedience. See, there's another side of this, if we were to turn the tables, is that sometimes we give money when we don't want to do other things. Are you with me? Remember Saul? He didn't want to uh, sacrifice certain things, and so he brought them home with him. And Samuel called him on it and said, to obey is better than to sacrifice. But sometimes we do the old switcheroo. Instead of this obedience, Lord, instead of the thing you're asking me to do, I'm just going to give a little more in the offering. That ain't right. What God wants is us. If he has us, then he has our obedience in terms of finances, our obedience in terms of actions, and everything else. And then a change of heart needs to happen about what we love. Do we love this world or do we love God? Do we love what is eternal and lasting or what's transient? See, here's something we haven't maybe thought of, and it's happened before in history where monies go from having value to zero value overnight. And it can happen again. 
And I'm not trying to put fear in our heart. I'm trying to say, let's invest in the things that are eternal. We've got good reason to count on our currency, but you better not count on your currency like you count on God. We need to trust him so we don't make a big deal about those things. But these principles are true. And if he changes these things, generosity won't be a problem for us. And so what I want to do is um, I'd like to invite you, if you'd like to take a few moments to come to the altar or make an altar at your seat, would you just be willing to say to the Lord, God, um, everything that I have, it's yours. All that I am is yours. If you're afraid in that moment, he's going to ask you to something. That's where faith comes in. That's where trust comes in. Our faith is being tested. Does your life belong to the Lord? Let's get that settled. And maybe you're here today and you've never asked Christ to be Lord of your life. And um, Maybe at this point you might not want to because you're thinking, I want to keep hold of that money. No. Listen, what Christ offers us, all of this is passing away. What Christ offers us is eternal. And I can tell you there's greater joy in receiving from God all that he gives and having open arms and being generous than in clinching grudgingly to what we could otherwise have. So I would encourage you to turn to Jesus today and say to him, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to give my life to you. See, we're not just asking for forgiveness of sins. We need that. But we also need to say to him in response, I'm trusting you with my life. Because he's not just Savior, he's Lord. That's an issue of faith. So when we're, we're, we're not just believing events happen, we're believing in a person, that he's worthy of being Lord of our lives. And so I would encourage you to do that. Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.